0: You are listening to The Light of Today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer. If you could go to Romans chapter 12, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 2 and 2 Corinthians 10. I want to go to the scriptures tonight and I want to minister what I believe the spirit of God gave to me so let's go to Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 it's one that we all know very very familiar verse it says don't but I'm going to read in the NLT because I like how it's written there this is what it says don't copy someone say copy, copy. Mm, Okay. don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think it says then you'll learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect then it says in 1st Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 12 1st Corinthians 2 verse 12 it says now we have received and if you're taking notes and you're underlining in your Bible this is the part I want to focus in on in this particular verse it says now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses number 3 through 5 for though we walk in the flesh we do not wage war after the flesh say after the flesh, after the flesh. for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty Through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. The Spirit of God took me in a direction this week and put this in my heart. I feel urgent to talk about tonight, and I want to minister on, do not conform to the spirit of this age. Find the person next to you and say, don't conform, don't conform. to the spirit of the age. The of the age. If I like how this goes tonight, which I'm sure I will. I'm going to take this down to the islands when I minister this week, because I believe it's something that is very important for believers to hear. You know... What I want to speak specifically about is understanding what is the spirit of the age. Do you know that every single generation that we have come and gone has its own unique characteristics that define it? If you look at the sins of people that are today, they may have the same sins that we have. I mean, people are not doing new things that they weren't doing back in antiquity, 10, 15, 20, 40 years ago. But... It always seems that every generation has its own way of justifying or looking at it or thinking about the sins that they're committing. Every so often, generations change. The statistics and statisticians say that a generation is about 22 years long. So our generation is called, my generation is called the millennials. The generation before that is called the Gen X's. The generation before that is called the baby one. The generation before that is the loss and the GIs. And the generation after the millennials is called Generation Z or the I generation. It just came out with that name just recently. But every single generation has its own characteristics. And they're not all bad. There's good things about us that are better than the generation before us and the generation previous to us. But the thing about it is is that every generation has its own sins. And not only its own sins, has its own pitfalls that it falls into. And it has its own way of thinking. And the scripture calls that the spirit of the age. And I'm going to say this quickly. Is that the spirit of the age, if Christians are not being, oh, what the word of God says, circumspect. Paying attention every day to how they walk. Paying attention to their life with Jesus, keeping their relationship with Jesus on fire, going out and winning souls, praying, showing up to prayer meetings, and keeping the relationship hot with Jesus. The moment that you begin to become casual and nominal and satisfied in your relationship with God is the moment that you start becoming at risk for buddying up to the spirit that's in the age. Amen. This is what it says. Thanks it. appreciate it. This is what it says. In second Corinthians, excuse me, James chapter four. Let's go to James chapter four and verse number four. Someone say, the spirit, the, "The spirit of the age. All right, don't conform. James chapter four and verse number four. Hallelujah. Glory to God." James four verse four. This is what it says in the NLT. Don't you realize? That friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. So do you want to know how to get on God's bad side? You say, Pastor, God doesn't have a bad side. What's it say? It says that God has enemies. Yeah, but do you know that we're under grace and everybody's under grace? Do you know that people that don't receive the grace of God are going to receive the wrath of God? They're going to receive the wrath of God. My job as a preacher is not to tell people that everything is okay. Everything is okay through Jesus. Let's get that straight right now. That's why he came. But without Jesus, everything is not going to be okay. Everything is going to be as worse as it possibly can get. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why we have 500 soul campaign. That's why we go on a fast. That's why we push ourselves to believe God. That's why we ask the Holy Spirit to open up doors of opportunity because if people don't hear about Jesus and if people don't receive the Jesus they're hearing about, everything is not going to be okay. People are going to go to hell. And the way for a Christian while pastor Christians can't lose their salvation, this Christian, me, this pastor is convinced it's possible for that to happen in your life. It's very possible you can turn on God. And the way that people turn on God is when they become friends with the world. That's the great attempt of Satan, is to come into your life. When the enemy tries to come in your life and make you a friend with the world, do you know what he's working on? Working on reversing everything that the men of God and women of God in your life have deposited. Every time you've read the word of God, every time you've put this Bible into you, listen to scripture, listen to the t- person on television teaching you, listen to your pastor, listen to whoever may be in your life. Do you don't think that Satan's just going to sit there and say, well, let's just let that one go? Let's <laughs> just let, You know what? We, he's a lost cause. Let's just let him go. No, he's after the word that's in your life because the word that's in your life is going to make you powerful. Word that's in your life is going to make you contagious and passionate about God. And the moment he sees you passionate about God, he says he could call and pull more people out of darkness. And you're a threat to the kingdom of Satan. Yeah. So Satan's gonna try and come and reverse everything that you learned. That's right. Reverse it. Don't think for one second that the word of God in your life is not valuable. He's coming to reverse it. If you're not careful, he'll do it. Yeah. Amen. So well I'm mature. No one's Bible school. This ministry. You know, I, I've heard that. I, I've, heard, I've heard all that. Listen, I don't care how many times I've heard people... Uh, you know how many times I've heard teaching on faith? So many times, I couldn't even count. I've heard messages on faith more times than Abraham has children. Amen? <laughs> but every time someone says, I'm going to preach on faith, I say, let me have it. Let me hear it. I need to hear this again. I need to hear this again. I need to hear it again. Right? Because the moment you start to get casual with it, it's possible for you to lose it. So the enemy comes into your life and he is working to reverse everything that God has deposited. Everything that God has placed. He wants it out of your life. And this is how he does it. Through the spirit of the age. The spirit of the age. The word in the Greek that means friendship with the world. If you're taking notes tonight, you can write this down. It means to be fond of something. To be fond of something, means to have an affection for, means to have a heart for, it means to let something into your heart, but I like this definition, and this isn't W.E. Vines or my Bible software that gave this one, this is me, this is my definition. It means to warm up to something. How many know that when you first, how many can identify a friend or a person in your life that's moderately close to you, that the first time you met them? You didn't let them in. But then, as that person you saw and interacted with that person more, that person you saw and became more casual, the person warmed up to you. Or they grew on you. And I was talking to a couple one time. I said, was it love at first sight? You know what the woman said? She said, no, they kind of just grew on me. You know? I really didn't like them at first. But then, they, but then, you know what? I just When they weren't around, I kind of felt like, oh, I'm missing them. They grew on you. And this is what the spirit of the age tries to do with believers. is It tries to come and get you to warm up to it. Yeah. And when something is warm or room temperature, you usually can't feel it on your skin. Right? Yeah. You put something cold. eh? Hey, it's cold. Get that off, right? They put a cold hand on you. Oh, someone put their hand on me the other day. I almost punched them in the face. <laughs> Just ah! Put something hot, you know, right away. But if room temperature... It's, you, let, you let it sit there for a while. And the enemy, the spirit that Satan has released in today. I'm not talking about 25 years ago. I'm talking about today. is going to try to warm up to Christians. And the moment you allow the spirit of... This is good teaching tonight. The moment the spirit of the age begins to warm up to you, you know what happens? You start to reverse the teaching of God that's in your life. You start to make exceptions. You know how it warms up to you—social media, seeing something over and over again. Someone told me the other day, "Are you going to watch the Golden Globes?" I said, "I'm not even putting that trash. I'm not even putting it on. I don't want to see Hollywood. You know, give each other pats on the back anymore. That's right. They just reward every five weeks. There's something that Hollywood's giving each other for for sinning and being sick on television." Wasn't like it used to be. It's just the more gay it is, and the more sexually perverse it is, the more, the the, the more it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's art. It's stupidness. (laughs) Hallelujah. So there is a danger in becoming with the friends of the world, and this is, this is, this is Satan's most, I'd say, obvious tactic, but he continues to be successful at it. I'm preaching tonight. Man, I wish I had a thousand This is more Satan's obvious tactic. He tries to get holy things and unholy things to be compatible. He finds the holy thing in the church. And he tries it for it to become compatible with the unholy thing. And you know what? Holy things cannot be compatible with unholy things. Because unholy things make holy things unholy. Hello. That's why a Christian has to have the standard of holiness in their life. Yeah. Do you know that most people, most, and, and most men, when they see, I'm just going we, we, to be, when they see a, a picture, they walk past the Victoria's Secret because sexualness is so pervasive in society, they just look at it and they think, nothing. You shouldn't look at it. Walk past it without looking at it. Right. Don't let it in. Well, we see it everywhere. Just because you see it everywhere doesn't make it less right. right. It's wrong. It's been wrong. In 1940, they would be arrested those people. So you see what's going on. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Hallelujah. Thank God. Someone say holiness. holiness. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, Ephesians 2, 2. Oh, man. I've got to be done preaching. Y'all, I see, we, I've been on a fast for 12 days. I'm cutting it tonight. So y'all, the only thing standing between me and Breaking this fast. <laughs> We're done with service. Glory. Isn't that good? Amen. Yeah. Everybody out. <laughs> I woke up this morning. I looked in the mirror. I said, all right. <laughs> it takes more discipline to break it because you know what I want to do? I want to go past McDonald's and say 25 Big Macs, please. <laughs> then I'll have to go on another fast on Saturday. Just to eat it. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. This is what it says. We're in time past. You walked according to the course of this world. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. I like this because it says the spirit. What happened to churches that preach on demons? They don't exist anymore. Do you know the message? Listen, the message of the gospel is not God's going to just just going to have a turnaround here or bless you, or hate you, or power. It's not, listen, God's going to turn around, but the message of the gospel is simply this. God has given you power in Jesus to resist the devil. Amen. That's right, that's right. Good. God has given you authority in Christ to cast out devils, to kill the sick, to preach deliverance. That's the message of the gospel. It's not just three times, jump around, and that's it. That's not the gospel. It's not optimism. The gospel is powerful. And we have to realize you're not preaching the gospel until you start preaching a spiritual reality that's greater than the natural reality that we live in. Amen. 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 People come and say, well, you know, Pastor, they they tell me what's going on in their mind, or they tell me what's going on in their life, and they think they're weird because they think they're the only people that are going through this. Do you know that, relatively speaking, many Christians today have demonic problems? Thoughts they don't want to think? Thoughts of suicide, thoughts of murder, thoughts of sexual perverseness, what's going on? You have an enemy called Satan that is trying to reverse God's word that's in your life. That's, it. Right. So that's why you have to make it a point to pray every day, to read the word every day, to be in church every day, to when you're driving, turn off the talk radio for a minute, turn off the political talk, put God's word in your life because it's powerful. The spirit of the age is this: the values, the ideas, and the beliefs and practices of the world that are imposed upon the masses by spiritual entities that are tucked away and hidden in the spirit realm. That's right. Now I know none of y'all even got all that. I'm gonna read it twice, two more times. The spirit of the age, the spirit of the age, are the values, ideas. Beliefs and practices of the world that are imposed on the masses by spiritual entities that are tucked away and hidden in the spirit realm. So what do I mean? I mean that there are evil, wicked demons who are multi, I'm going to use this word, dimensional beings. that live tucked away in a dimension you cannot see. You say, Pastor, you're watching too much Ancient Aliens at night before you go to bed. Maybe. Maybe. But it's a fact. You know, Einstein went to his grave. I was reading his biography two years ago. It was 600 pages. I got through 200. Now it's a coffee table book. He went to his grave frustrated because he could not find the fourth dimension, but he knew it existed. Time and space. And they found it after his death. And since then, you have ten dimensions they believe exist beyond the fourth. You can look it up. Scientists believe there are ten dimensions. Ten. You live in a three-dimensional world. Length width, breadth Three dimensions. Everything we see is three dimensions. But what scientists discover, ten. What do you think lives in those dimensions? Beings that can move in and out come back and forth appear and disappear I was in college one time and my friend he got saved but he lived a rough lifestyle before salvation and he had a deep love for Jesus and he had a very a conviction for the Word of God and he came in my room and he said Chris I know spiritual reality I know it I said why he said because one day I was at my house before I was unsaved I was going up the stairs and over the staircase, he said, I saw a demon sitting in my house. He said, I snuck up on it and it didn't see me. And he said, it looked at me and disappeared. Why am I telling you this? To scare you? To keep you from going to bed tonight? No. You need, if you scares you, you need to pray. Hello, that means you need to pray more. Listen, I'm just telling you this to say... That it's part of the spirit of the age to try and reverse the word of God. That's right. The Bible says that you are fighting against the course of this world. The course of this world refers to the spirit of the age, which is a supernatural force, personal beings that create the mood and, and govern the outlook, mentality, and organization of life without God. It is a supernatural force. This is okay for you tonight. Yes, absolutely. Okay. It is a supernatural force, personal beings, that create the mood of the age and govern the outlook, mentality, and organization of life without God. So when you see new things introduced in culture that are against God and create lawlessness, what are you seeing? The spirit of the age at work. When you're seeing things being imposed upon the government, imposed upon the government, imposed upon the government. Listen, whatever gets passed in government as legislation that's against God didn't begin in Congress. It didn't begin in the heart of a senator or in the heart of a congressman or a heart of a local grassroots politician. It began in a realm that you cannot see by the spirit of the age. And the one thing that is legislating against Christians in this country Is not just politicians, it is the demonic realm. Don't think because we'll have a new person in the White House in January that we're going to have anything less to deal with. We're going to have a spirit that is all the more trying to capture the hearts and minds of people. So look at your neighbor and say, Don't conform. conform. Say, "You You have authority in Jesus. The Bible says, the prince of the power. Boy, if you don't get excited about this tonight, I'm going to get excited about it. Alright, alright, thank, 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 thank you, 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 It says there is a prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air means two things. Number one, if he's a prince, that means he is a ruler. A ruler is one who is at the head. Do you know what the word for ruler is that I like the best? He's a mastermind. You have the ruler, the prince of the power. He's the ruler of the exousia, is what the Greek means. It means other beings that have power and control of other spheres. Satan has his demons aligned in different places, over different parts of culture, over music, over education, over government, over entertainment. And I believe he selects pawns to be his spokespeople. You know, some people, when they say a person is a Christian, what they're doing is saying that a person who's a pawn of Satan is a Christian. You know, this is what I believe Satan has done. And I'm not here to say who's a Christian, who's not a Christian. But I know Jesus says, you judge them by their fruits. You say, yeah, but they're struggling Christian. You don't know what it's like being in it. Listen, I believe when a person gets saved, they should walk away from whatever keeps them from Jesus. Not continue to struggle with it. Walk away from it. Renounce it. You know, in the early church, when a person got saved, after he received Jesus in his life, he made a pronouncement and renounced Satan in his life. When do you see someone say, I accept Jesus and I renounce the world? Part of being saved isn't just a prayer and saying, well, I love Jesus because my mom loved Jesus. I love Jesus because my family loved Jesus. Being saved means I love Jesus and I'm going to follow him. And following Jesus means walking away from the world. Renouncing the world. When you got Jesus in your life, you walked away from the world. You said, it has nothing here for me. I don't care if I have to give up riches, if I have to give up wealth and fame and and whatever it may be, I'm done. Amen. Did anybody else say that? You can't have one foot in the world and one foot out of the world. That doesn't count. You're still in the world. Hallelujah. Okay, and it also means, it says the prince of the power of the air. The air here means simply, number one, demonic beings produce in people's minds a cloudiness. Confusion is from Satan. Clarity is from God. If you're confused about something, It could possibly be the enemies at work in your life. A person that says, well, I'm trying to hear from God, but I'm just so confused. I'm so confused. If you get into a relationship and you're confused, if you take a course or a path and you're confused, it's not from God. When God tells you to do something, you're clear on it. Hello. Amen. Okay. Number two, it could simply mean when it says the prince of the power of the air, it means that. These beings surround and influence humanity just like the air. It means that they're invisible and they're surrounding you. Yeah, you say, well, you mean there's a spirit world surrounding me? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what happens when you fast. You become more intuitive to the spirit world around you. You know what makes you extremely intuitive to the spirit realm? Praying in the Holy Ghost. You pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. You renda rambasa. You get around somebody and you don't know why, but you feel like I can't trust them. Doesn't mean you pry, but I just can't trust them. Or something bad is going to happen if I enter into a relationship with this person. And you just don't do it. You're being led by down here, not up here. Hallelujah to God. Yeah, but the Holy Ghost is not for everybody. Yes, He is. If you want to pray in tongues, you can pray in tongues. If you want to be used of God in healing, you can be used of God in healing. If you want the Holy Ghost, He's going to give as much of Himself to you as you want. Amen, amen, amen. Okay. And the Bible says, The spirit of the age works in the children of disobedience. That means... Satan's spirit the spirit of the age the course of this world is relentless and working against people trying to work against you to get it to buddy up with it working against you working against your mind working against your heart working against your thoughts working against you to get you to conform to what you used to be pulling you away in the kingdom there are no off days The only off day you get is when you stay in your bedroom and don't go out and just hang out there. But even then, you can have the battle of the mind. Satan might come to you. I don't mean Satan himself, the entity, the prince and lord of darkness. I mean one of his imps. And start lying to you. You have cancer. I was sleeping the other night. I woke up. This was probably two weeks ago. Eggs before Christmas. I woke up and i had a pain right about here just right here it could very well been because i was laying on my wrong laying on the side wrong have a pain just right here it could have been because i ate something before bed and i shouldn't have whatever you know just right here and i'm laying there and i hear something in my mind say well maybe you have lung cancer I'm the only one that's ever had a thought like this. Sorry. Been there. You have a pain in your body. You feel something sharp shoot through your arm and you hear the devil say, Brace yourself, here comes the stroke, right? <laughs> I better stop driving. I better pull over. I better pull over. The stroke's coming. Oh my God, a stroke is coming. And then you think about that pain for four or five days. Just one quick, could have been a muscle spasm then you know what the next thing you're on? You're on WebMD trying to figure out why I have a pain going through my arm. Some of y'all have WebMD bookmarked in your... You had a bookmark. And if I hit your search history, pain in leg, pain in arm, pain in eye, pain in ear, pain in head, pain in in my pain. What's going on? You're full of fear. The enemy's coming to you. He's trying to get the faith that you have in your heart concerning God's Word and His promise towards you. He's trying to reverse it. There's no, there's no. Amen. So, and I think, I went into prayer. I said, Holy Spirit, why am I upset about this? Well, my grandma, before I was born, died of lung cancer. Somebody told me one time, oh yeah, Sicilians from that, the Mediterranean, they get that kind of lung cancer all the time. You know what I say? Not this Sicilian. Amen. 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 The only thing I got is the dark hair. <laughs> and the quick temper. Amen. Amen. You say you have a quick temper? Ask those that know me the closest. So, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4. This is what it says. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those that do not believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ. Who is the exact likeness of Christ? I mean, you, this, this scripture should hit home to you right away. The, I mean, right away. You say, how it hit home to me? Have you ever tried to tell somebody, you're excited about Jesus? You're so happy you found Christ. Your life has changed. You know, you're walking on air. The word of God is ministering to you. And you go try to tell someone about Jesus. Say, oh, that's nice. I get back to work. You got those reports to do. And you say, listen, if you just get a hold of this, it'll change your life. Yeah, okay. Now I'm in the Zen, which is big nowadays. Listen, let me say this about Zen real quick. Zen is evil. It is not a decoration you should use just because it's in style. Everywhere you go, you see Zen. Buddhism. It's not for your house. It's false religion. You might as well put Islam in your house. Well, what's wrong with Zen? You know, I, I, there's just nothing wrong with Zen. You know, it's, 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 what, you haven't even looked into it. You don't even know where it is. It's, well, it's, just, it's evil. It's taking people to hell. Yeah, but, but, but you know what? I, I like it because it has a little bamboo and it's from Japanese. We just love Japanese gardens. It's just so nice. Put it out of your house. Your house is sanctified. You know what? That's what the spirit of the age. I was in Nevada, Las Vegas in October. I think I told you this. On the street, there were not statues. It's not like you walk past Caesar's palace and see a statue of Caesar, you know? And you say, okay, that's kind of art. No, no, no. Literal Hindu shrines you could walk up to and worship and people were doing it and bringing things and making offerings, bringing rice, bringing meat, bringing all sorts of gross stuff. Making sacrifices in America. Why? Spirit of the age. Getting people to accept that into their own lives. Amen. Young people today, that's what's interesting. Middle East religions or Eastern religions. Meditation, chanting, people that are tired of agnosticism and atheism, they go find these things. I went into a bookstore in Ann Arbor. I used to say, oh, you shouldn't go in a bookstore in Ann Arbor. You already know what you're going to get, right? I went into one. Anything about Jesus? Nothing. Zero. Zero, zero, like maybe a maybe a section of a section of a wall like this. And it'd be some old-fashioned Christian book that everybody has, right? The Purpose Driven Life. Boom! There it is. There's our Christian section. <laughs> sections, sections, huge sections on Zen, Buddhism, meditation, Kabbalah. What do you think? You're more sophisticated than me because you're in a religion that's Eastern. The spirit of the age. Put it out of your house. So the enemy, the Bible says, tries to come and blind people and make you fond of the world and the things that are in the world. A Christian that starts becoming fond of worldly things is a Christian whose mind is being worked on by Satan. Then this is what he does. The Bible let me show you the process, how Satan works. The Bible says in Second Corinthians, I'll read it again, we've read this, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. This is this good for you tonight? Yes. Number one, this is how Satan begins. You take an innocent Christian, been in youth group their whole life. You know these Christians, how many have met a Christian they're in youth group with you, and now they're weird. What does you mean by weird? You tell me what I mean by weird. Just out there. non serving Jesus. Atheist, agnostic, sexually deviant, sexually liberated. Right? Yes. How did it work? Number one, they had the word of God in their life. The first thing that happened in their life was they had imaginations. That spirit I was just telling you about that pops in and out. Moving in a different realm. That's influencing minds. He is, Satan is hungry for minds of people. The enemy wants your mind. That's why you have to protect it. That's why you have to have on the shield for the helmet of salvation. That's why you have to put the Bible in you. The Bible is for your mind. It's not just for your spirit. It's for your mind. Before it ever gets into your spirit, it has to be comprehended in your mind. Well, that's not true. You weren't reading the Bible until you knew English, right? Therefore, it's for your mind too. Amen. You can't give me an Italian Bible and expect for me to get it in the spirit. It's got to go through here. Sometimes Christians just want to be mindless. Well, it's just about in the spirit. It's part of that. But it's for your mind. Think. Look at your neighbor and say, start thinking. Okay. Number one, imaginations. The Bible calls them reasonings. And imagination is where it all begins. It's a system of thought. Backed by emotions. In this case, that have no foundation in the word of God. Pass through ideas and images. An imagination is the first thing that'll come to you. You see let us use this example. You're walking down the you're walking here, you come from Bible study. You're in Walmart at ten o'clock. Like I'll be in just a little bit. Shopping for what I'm gonna cook. I'm gonna to I'm not I'm not, I'm gonna cook something tonight. Amen. I'm gonna put a tombstone pizza in that oven, baby. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, tombstone's the worst. I mean, if you're gonna go frozen pizza, don't even go tombstone. You're suffering if you have tombstone. Brichetta. You're gonna to be suffering if you have tombstone. Priscilla, <laughs> red parent, and probably even worse. But you're going through the aisle, just come from Bible study, and all of a sudden, you see something. It's so cute. Looks like a little, got just looks vintage, cut out nice. Look perfect in your bedroom, and it's a quilt. It's a quote by unknown, and on the bottom it says, Zen Buddhism, Zen Buddhist, or Mahatma Gandhi, or somebody. Oh, you know, it's just positive. It's positive. And and the imagination comes. You see it sitting in your bedroom. That looked perfect in my study. Right next to my bonsai tree. Hello. (laughs) I've always wanted a bonsai tree. I just don't know if I'll clip it right. I might have one in the office. I like those things. They're like sixty bucks though. I'd mess it up for sixty bucks it'd be thirsty and die. Plus the office is dark, so it doesn't get any sunlight. We already know that with the other plant. Don't get if you want to ever bless it, do not get me a plant for my office. It will die. We've tried. And you have the imagination of it sitting there. And you say, No, 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 no. I you know what the pastor said, you know, told me about the word and false religion, so you go home and you're in your study. And you look up and you say, you know, that wall is empty. And you go on it so you can't find nothing quite as cute as what you saw in Walmart. So you know what you do? You go back to Walmart. And somehow you find your way back to that aisle. No, I can't do it. But you know what? After two months, it's hanging up in your wall. And then you know what starts happening? You brought it into your home. And you start fighting yourself on the inside. I shouldn't have it, I shouldn't have it, I shouldn't have it." But you know what? You finally have calloused your heart, and there it is hanging up there. And do you know what will start happening? I promise you this: You might Wikipedia what it is that you is it from? What book is it from? Let me find more about this. And do you know what could happen? You could be sitting in church. The imagination will come. your pastors preaching the word. Imagination will come and say, that sounds a lot like what's hanging on your wall. And then, the enemy will come in with a thought. So why is Christianity any different? Wasn't this guy, didn't he have good intents too? You tell him he's in hell, and boom, 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 here it all comes. Because, when the imagination came, you didn't take it captive. When you take it captive, you are sanctifying God's word above that man's word. Sanctify the word of God in your life and in your heart. That this is God's word. Nothing should belong in your heart the way God's word belongs in your heart. If you're going to look at it every day, it should be God's word, not Gandhi's word. Yeah, but it's true. It's true. Isn't it true? It is true. But he's not a man of God. So, the next thing that happens after you have the imagination, you have uncaptivated thoughts. Uncaptivated thoughts means the word uncaptivated. Captivated in the Greek means to lead away, to lead into captivity. And I've talked about this. The Bible says that when you have the lance, or excuse me, the sword of the Spirit, the sword of the spirit was a sword that was given you. The word of God is put in your hands. And when prisoners used to have that sword, it was called a, it starts with an M, I forgot. I forgot the name of the word. A machia, I think. Machia, yes. You know, the Machia was a sword that they used in warman combat. When you caught an enemy with that sword, you would tie him up and you'd take him by the, the, by the back. And you'd put the sword up to him and you'd walk him into captivity. See the word of God can take thoughts captive and chain them up and make them your prisoners and walk them out of your life. Take it to the plank. Say I go on the plank and throw it off. Take thoughts captive. Amen. Amen. Because if you don't do that, the next thing that will happen is that that imagination that was left uncaptive will become. This is when. This is terrible. This is this is the worst. This is when you know you're starting to lose somebody is when that uncaptivated thought that began as imagination forms what the Bible calls a high thing. A high thing. A high thing is the Greek word hypsoma. It means something elevated and represents an elevated structure. You've seen a skyscraper before, right? Super high. An elevated structure. What do you know about an elevated structure when you see it? When Kevin is here tonight, he's from Chicago, the Willis Tower. You know when you see that, what do you know? As high as it goes up, it's running pretty deep. A high thing has a root system that's just as durable as the structure itself. A high thing that comes in your life are habitual patterns of thinking that have developed from imaginations and uncaptivated thoughts. And These things, if they grow in your life, you'll stop hearing the pastor preach. Your friends at church, you'll consider to be Kool-Aid drinkers, brainwashed, stupid, less educated, and less informed than you, less uninsightful, not as interesting to talk to, because you have pride now. Because you have something high in your life, you feel higher than everybody else around you. You don't want to be corrected. You think the pastor, you get offended when he starts telling the truth about Jesus? And you know what? This is because a high thing, what it does is it constantly hammers and exalts itself against the knowledge of God until it has the highest place in your life. Until everything else in your mind bows down to that thing. Amen. Do you see how the spirit of the age is working against Christians today? When this begins to happen, you have developed in your life a full-fledged, 100% stronghold. A stronghold means a bulwark. It has fortified itself around you. And there's no way in to taking your mind captive back for God. Unless there's a weapon of God. And most of the time it's hard to get to those people. And where did it all begin? It began when you are walking down the Walmart aisle. And you got curious about sin. And you didn't check it. That's good. Amen somebody. Check those thoughts in your mind. That's what happens with sexual addiction. One thought. One look. I just take one look. I just take a second look. I just take a fifth look. And then all of a sudden one day. You're caught there on the internet. And then it turns into other things. And before long. You're into stuff that you just. You, you can't need freedom from. Pornography creates a bond between you and the person you're watching. Hello, somebody. Do you see how important your mind is? Very important. Okay. Let me give to you a couple of the tools that the enemy uses in our age. Because I want to speak to our age right now. Things that today, 21st, 2015. Now, this, you may say, well, I'm... this is what's going on right now. Number one, this is what the enemy is using. One word tolerance. Tolerance. Tolerance is what Satan is using right now as a tool to get into the minds of Christians and in the hearts of Christians. Oh, what's tolerance? I'll read it. Allowing something that is contrary to the Word of God to exist. It means to endure something that God is not enduring. You say, Pastor, you know, you know, Pastor, we should just, you know, we should just, you know, we just got to love gays. Yes, we do. Have to love gays. You say, would you allow a gay person in your church? Listen, if they came here to seek Jesus, and they've come to find the Lord, they want to know more about Jesus, sure. After they have found Jesus. If you're here and think you're going to continue practicing that lifestyle among the congregation, you're either going to transform or you're not going to like this church. What about fornication? Same thing. There is someone that came into the church and struggling in fornication. Pastor, I need help. Okay, I'm going to help you. But listen to what you're not going to do. You're not going to find women in the church and think that you're going to try and make them your next victim. Because if I see you doing that, I'm kicking you out of the church. Last time in the church you won't even be able to get through the doors. I'll put it, make sure people at the doors don't ever have you come back. You have to do that as pastor these days. Yeah, right. People look at the innocent sheep as victims. You can't tolerate what God's not tolerating and God doesn't expect you to endure what he's not enduring. Right. The Bible says if there is a brother among you and he says that he's a Christian and he's fornicating, don't even have lunch with that brother. Where is the tolerance in that? Because at that point, it becomes about being transformed. Amen, somebody. And so listen to this. If you don't tolerate something in this age, Satan will work to intimidate and insult you. You know, most of the people that stand up for God will get insulted. God's servants in history have always been mocked. They have been ridiculed. They have been slandered. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes a very sarcastic remark about the super apostles that were coming to the church at that time. And he says to them, you you think that you're somebody great. We're the scum of the earth. Scum of the earth! I will say this. The more that Christianity continues in America and the more the spirit of the age continues in America, there's going to be a greater divide. And the more and more Christianity is not going to be the accepted social norm. Christians better get used to it here. Not everybody's going to like us. As a matter of fact, they might hate you. But well, I didn't sign up for that. Well, I don't know what you signed up for. Brace yourself. I hate to say this. But I'm going to say it. History has proved this. A persecuted church is a powerful church. How did the church grow so fast in 300 years? How did the whole known world turn Christianity into the religion? Nothing had ever done that. Persecution. It's another message. If you try to resist and not be tolerant to anything... In this day and age, you'll be called a phobe. Islamophobe. Homophobe. Something phobe. A phobophobe. I don't know. But you know what? You're not a phobe. You're just a Christian. Amen. Amen, somebody. Don't let them intimidate you. Number two, pragmatism. Pragmatism is the old saying, if it works, it must be God. If it's successful, it must be God. If it's growing, it must be God. If it's true, it must be God. No. No. It's not. Do you know that if it's making everybody nice and happy, it must be God? How many know that that's what happens today? Is that true? No. Look at what it says in Matthew 5, verse 12. I like it in the NLT. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do You realize, we're talking to Jesus, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? What did Jesus tell them? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my Heavenly Father would be uprooted, so ignore them. My, you know what? The Lord ministered to me, even in my early days as a young man. You know, well, I, when I would go into another pastor's pulpit, I would I would not correct people. If you ever get a chance to preach in a pulpit and it's not your church, you don't correct, unless the pastor asks you to do it, and then you just take be very careful in how you do it. I don't give words of correction. You don't go around correcting everybody. They may not be yours to correct, but as a pastor, it's different. If I don't offend then my message may be too nice. Amen somebody? So you're not here to accommodate people. The message of the gospel is extremely offensive. To tell somebody, if you don't accept Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Isn't that what we believe? Isn't that what we believe? Any exceptions to that rule? No, that's what church histories believe. That's the truth. So if you're on TV and someone says, so do you believe that they're going to... You can be wise how you answer things. But that's essentially what the message of the gospel is. That's very offensive. But guess what? It's what the word says. Number three, lawlessness. It's an assault on God-ordained structure. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. You know, today there is an assault from the spirit of this age like never before on authority. People in the church, church church, Christians, they don't want a pastor to tell them how to order their life. But they want a pastor to marry them. They want a pastor to bury them. They want a pastor to show up at the hospital when they need something. But for the pastor to say, that's wrong, you need to stop doing that. I'm leaving the church. I'm gone. See ya. You don't want a pastor? Because you hate authority. They don't want that. I don't like that. He's just brainwashing people. No, no, no. Today The way the enemy has made lawlessness. Let me show you how he does it. Lawlessness begins as you despise authority. And you begin to make everybody the same. Well, we're the same. We're Christians. We're all Christians. We're all Christians. uh, 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 Well, you can correct me, but I'm going to correct you. No, it doesn't work that way. Because there's rank. Amen. There's rank in heaven. You know, some angels can't even get near the throne of God. Certain angels can get it. Glory to God. Lawlessness. And number four self-centeredness the Bible says in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2 that in the last days people would be lovers of themselves and do you know if a person loves themselves they do not want to die to themselves every day you have to die to yourself every day you have to deny yourself Every day, every day, every day, a person that is self-centered won't die to themselves. Jesus said in Scripture that when you follow him, you have to take up your cross. What do you think the cross was for? Do you think it was a pool toy? It was something you were dying on. It is not cute. It was an offensive statement. If I could talk to you about the cross. I wrote a devotion on it. The cross. Was the most offensive thing to a Jew at that time. Because of Titus' slaying of the Jews. It was so offensive to even talk about that instrument. You know what saying a cross to a Jew in Jesus' day would be like saying to a Jew today. Gas chamber. And that's what Jesus says. Die on your cross. Offensive. But you have to do it. So the spirit of the age comes. wants you to love yourself. Come on, it's all about you. It's all about your life. It's all about what God can do for you. Isn't it? Isn't it all about you? It's just you and God. A person that has a very bad balance and perspective that's not healthy is a person that thinks that what God is doing is only between me and God. What's God doing all over the world? When you get the Holy Ghost in your life, you'll be concerned about what God is doing in your life, but in your family's life, in your, in, in your state's life, in your city's life, in your country's life, and all over the world. Amen to somebody. All right. Finally, quickly, 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 quickly. I'm going to end with this. Strength as a Christian. Strength as a Christian. Maturity as a Christian. Is this okay for you tonight? This is good. This is good. You like this, Sam? Is this okay? Okay. She says yes. I got it right here. Bam. Strength as a Christian. Strength as a Christian is demonstrated in your ability to fight against the spirit of the age. Fight. The Bible says, Paul says... That our campaign that we have is not, is not with flesh and blood. Our campaign is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Do you know when the Apostle Paul wrote this scripture what he was talking about? What he's talking about is during that time in 2 Corinthians. These false apostles came into the church. And they began to accuse Paul. And what their accusation was essentially is that, you know, he is not sufficient to be a minister. He doesn't have what it takes. They began to ridicule him, they began to criticize him, and they began to say that he has nothing. He's just, he's weak, he's lowly, in appearance, short, Paul was a short man. And they're saying that he's, he writes these bold letters, but in person he's, he's not even a good talker. And you know what Paul wrote back and says? He says, you tell those super apostles that when I come, we're going to find out who the real apostle is. And he said this, I don't war after the flesh, though I live in the flesh. Listen, living in the flesh is inevitable. Warring against the flesh is reputable. You cannot help the fact that you live in the flesh, but you have no excuse to fight by the flesh. Paul says, the reason I'm strong is because I wage another battle that's after the Spirit. And when people come, and he's talking about the false apostles at that time, and they make arguments, and they say things that are against the Word of God. I have such a powerful operation of the Holy Spirit working in my life. I have spent time in prayer. I have the Holy Ghost flowing in my life. I've seen miracles and signs and wonders. I spend time with God. I go on fast. I'm fasting often. I'm praying often. I'm filled with the Spirit often. Because of that, I can fight after the Spirit, and I can tear down strongholds, and I can tear down every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I even have the ability to recognize it to do it. Amen. The strength and the power You as a Christian To realize and recognize these things And tear them down But if you don't The Bible says You will conform to the patterns of this world Do you know what that means? If you don't know how to fight against the flesh You will take the patterns of this world And you will use them as a cookie cutter For everything you do I know This church Will not use the patterns of this world To be our worship. We'll not use the songs that come from out there in here. Amen. We'll not use anything. Because everything we do here has to be God breathed. The world is not our pattern. The world is not our cookie cutter. Amen somebody. You know what's my cookie cutter? The Holy Spirit. Where's the song come from? God stamped it from heaven. Where that song? God stamped it from heaven. God stamped it. God stamped it. Where's this word come? God stamped it. God stamped it. God stamped it. Where's your vision coming from? God gave it to me. Amen, somebody? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Amen. Don't conform to the spirit of this age. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. You have God's power. Pay attention. That's why you have to be praying. That's why you have to be fasting. That's why, you know, when your church goes on a fast, do something, consecrate. God speaks to the pastor, me, he speaks to me, and says, go on a fast, tell the people to consecrate. Because I'm going to release something in your life for this year. I'm going to release a word, I'm going to give you something, consecrate, prepare yourself for what I'm going to do in your life. Amen. How many of you say the fast has been powerful? Can I get a hands? Finish it strong, finish it strong, finish strong. Amen. Glory to God. I'm finishing tonight, I finish strong, because I'm preaching, i got to go away. In a couple, uh, on Sunday afternoon for five days to preach. So I have to finish now. But I'm with you. I'm, with, I'm still with you. Amen. I'm still with you. but I mean, I'm like, go let him finish strong, with Jesus. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.